Greetings. This is Bashiri, and I'd like to welcome you to the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. Here we are in our 12th episode of the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. Black men, I love you. Black women, I love you. Black babies, I love you. What will we tell our sons? Let's get out here and be the light. Let's be the solution. Let's see ourselves as viable options uh, to remedy many of the problems that uh, permeate our society and our communities and our immediate spheres of influence. Let's understand that we are the answers to the prayers that we are praying and that ultimately we are the gods that we seek all religions be damned. If it doesn't serve you, you should not serve it. What up, black man? What up, black woman? What what up, black babies? Love, peace, and confrontation, episode number 12. There's so much going on in the world. And in the wake of the uh, insurrection and um, homegrown terrorism that was on display at the nation's capital over the past couple of days, um, I would be remiss if we did not address all of those happenings within the overall context of the American enterprise with the respect of how that is instrumentally informative of uh, the black situation, for lack of better terms. When I reflect on the history of America, when I reflect on its inception, when I consider um, its beginnings, and we understand that it was and continues to be an institution that was founded on criminality, founded on murder, founded on genocide, founded on um, the rape and uh, the demeaning and the diminishment of whole people groups of the natives, of enslaved Africans, etc. And we understand that um, by means and by way of the insatiable avarice and rapacious appetite for material goods at whatever expense has given birth to uh, what we now know as America. Those ethics and those values that it was founded upon, rape, murder, thievery, intimidation, and insatiable violence continue to shape and run through um, the body, so to speak, of its constitutions. All of its institutions have been informed by uh, many of the uh, ethics that I've, that I've just disclosed, right? Uh, these value ethics that serve the self-interest of a particular people group over and against the well-being, the wholeness, the flourishing, um, and the development of other groups that it has determined um, via its own prerogatives are to be relegated to entities that can be exploited, 
entities that can be used, entities um, uh, that can be dehumanized, right? And so when I'm when I'm listening to Joe Biden's response in the wake of what occurred at the Capitol, and he gets into this whole um, articulation of what I think is a fantasy. He says America, and I'm paraphrasing him, but he starts speaking about these ideals of uh, of America being the beacon of light and being um, the center point of democracy and freedom um, and, and just being this uh, luminous um, uh, light in the world. You know what I mean? That that almost biblical city on the hill that can't be hid. And, and, and I'm listening to him and I'm chuckling because um, he continues to embody the schizophrenic dilemma of America. The dilemma in which America wants to present itself as all of these vaunted principles and qualities of, 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 of justice and freedom and of decency and of uh, the sort of deportment that uh, it would uh, it would it would situate itself as uh, a light or as a paragon of morality. But then on the backside of it, we understand that the only reason or the only way that it has been able through propaganda um, to sell such a narrative is because of its true nature. Its true nature has been homicidal. Its true nature has been genocidal. Its true nature um, has been uh, recklessly violent, right? And purposefully violent. Okay, this isn't a haphazard or accident of history. Um, these are well thought out. These are meticulous. These are calculated plans that are moving in motion. And so I chuckled to myself when I heard Joe Biden get up there. He tried to give this uh, illustrious uh, dissertation on the moral purity of America. And then I and then I in juxtaposition to that, uh, we're hearing him and others who support him, uh, you know, who are part and parcel of his ilk of deception. And they want to uh, almost uh, in a, uh, a, a caricature like fashion, demonize Trump. And mind you, I am no Trump supporter. OK, I am no devotee of Trump, but. I'm just teasing out the optics of deception here um, uh, with respect to Joe Biden and Trump and, you know, and all of the above, these politicians who are who are fundamentally liars and manipulators and deceivers and um, almost necessarily so because the entire enterprise of America is founded on deception and a lie and self-denial. We'll get to that in a second. And so um, he he in like a real like uh, uh, caricaturizing fashion, demonizing Trump as uh, aberration and even his Trump supporters as an aberration of a few, you know, who who do not embody the wholesome values of the American enterprise, you know, 
and, and him trying to use these words to further hypnotize and to denude the populace of um, the caliber of a facility that could rightfully discern, right? And again, the, the entire goal of the Democratic Party, as we have known it in modern history, uh, has been to deceive the masses, has been to deceive, in particular, uh, black people, because it is in their best interest to leave us comfortable, to leave us lulled to sleep, to leave us in a place where there is plausible deniability as it relates to racism. And the beautiful thing about Donald Trump is he is that annoying alarm clock that is going to be crude, that is going to be rude, that is going to be unabashed in its articulation of what America really is. And if he were uh, uh, to uh, be assessed and, 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 and if in that assessment in hindsight, I'd have to be on the side of those persons who actually say, hey, maybe Trump made America great again. <laughs> uh, and not in the sense that America has been able to embody, um, you know, these vaunted moral values or this status in which it wants to say it is the beacon. You know, it is uh, the lighthouse amongst a tumultuous sea of 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 moral uh, instability, right? And, 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 and uh, uh, unpredictable circumstances. No, it's not that. But to the degree that Trump was able to shine a light on the malignancy of America and how it is metastasized through and through, um, throughout all... Uh, the vestiges of the body, body politic, all right, throughout all of his institutions, you know what I mean? And in, in a sense, Trump served as a disruptor and a whistleblower blower, uh, to a certain degree in that he, he didn't play nice. And if there's anything that the, the black community uh, can be appreciative of, is the fact that he wasn't a politician. He was, a, he was just an outright expression of American interest, right? The, the greed, the, 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 the avarice, the arrogance, um, the complete disregard for um, people and circumstances, right? Um, and we should be appreciative on that hand and in that respect of what he was able to force <laughs> in America. He's forcing America to look at its distorted visage. And what we see illustrated there in the Capitol is America hopefully coming to terms with itself as being, as Dr. King said, the greatest purveyor of violence the world has ever known, okay? And so although uh, Joe Biden tries to pivot in a political sense and tries to dissociate America from what we've seen 
over the past couple of days on display at the Capitol as if uh, they do not reflect at the core um, the interests of the American enterprise. We see that he is, again, uh, endeavoring to entreat us with deception and distraction through these very fluffy, articulated ideals of dreams and and, and, and uh, ideologies that America has never been able to fulfill, but only has been able to speak about while it behaves in ways that are counterintuitive to what it has articulated via many of his spokespersons. Sat there and I listened to Joe and uh, and him just, you know, wax, you know, in bellicose fashion <clears throat> about how wonderful this place is. And it behooves its representatives and its mouthpieces to do so. Because then, like I said, it kind of lulls the masses to sleep and it, it, it can have... A, a position of plausible deniability that is not promoting uh, many of the values that it embodies per violence, per greed, um, per avarice, again, right? And so they tried to caricature Donald Trump and, and make him as the embodiment of everything that's wrong with America, as if... Um, Again, he and his supporters are aberration of, but I had to, even in a conversation with a good friend of mine, I had to remind him, like, hey, this isn't some kind of fringe um, cohort here, okay? These people, uh, in a very real way, represent what America truly is at its core, and you wouldn't know that if you weren't a apt student of history. If you wouldn't know that if you if you didn't understand, um, again, the historical precedents and antecedents that continue to reverberate and echo through the halls of time, even into this present moment that we see being manifested in the state's capital. Okay, this isn't haphazard. These people didn't come out of nowhere. You're talking about a mentality that was nurtured, a mentality uh, that was protected, a mentality that was invested upon because it yields economic dividends, right? And material benefits for that mentality to persist and to exist. And so while Joe wanted to sit up there at the podium and, and, and wax eloquently about uh, his disavowal and his disdain uh, for what was going on at the Capitol and then calling Trump to the carpet to do something about his people. It's like, hey, buddy, these are your people. You can't lay this all at Trump's feet. We know your history. You know, uh, we, we know uh, your policies that have devastated our community historically. Okay, we've not forgotten that. There may be some of us or a faction in our community that wants to forgive and forget, but there are those of us who are keeping meticulous notes and taking record of what you have done and how your past deeds have destroyed our community. Prison industrial complex. We have not forgotten about that. 
We've not gotten over the pain of that. We've not gotten over the devastation of your policies that warehoused our men, that broke up our families, that criminalized our youth. Right? We've not forgotten about that. It's ongoing. And so your fluffy rhetoric and your your waxing eloquent about how beautiful America is uh, only further substantiates your deception and the fact that you are through and through a liar and necessarily so because America has been in denial about what it truly is. It has been in denial about its disgust. It has been in denial about its putrefied uh, deportment. It has been in denial about its demonic face. And now you got to look at yourself and you have to come to terms with who and what you really are. Okay. And it isn't beautiful. It, 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 it isn't benign <laughs> and it's far from moral. So as I'm listening to him speak, I'm thinking about, you know, all of these historical antecedents. I'm thinking about the Reconstruction period. And uh, he mentioned in another speech he was given where he was um, he was uh, presenting to us his nominees for um, uh, the the uh, the justice system. And uh, he was speaking to him and Kamala on this wise. They both spoke to the fact that the reason the federal justice system was founded, it was founded in the wake of uh, the Civil War and uh, the freeing of the slaves and um, making sure that there was a uh, enforcement arm that would enforce the new laws and legislations with respect to the newly freed and you had the freedoms bureau and you had the federal troops there in the south who were going to make sure uh, um that their quote-unquote brothers who had succeeded from the nation um uh, would comply with the new way that we were supposedly as a country to entreat black people right um we saw very quickly those things change, okay? When Andrew Johnson gets into office and the federal troops are uh, withdrawn, I'm talking about the reconstruction period now, and then uh, our, our, our four parents were left vulnerable yet again to the wicked machinations and devices of, of the Confederate South. And so that's when we start seeing again the uh, uh, sharecropping and the convict leasing and uh, we see um, vagrancy laws and, and the like and, and all of these black codes and lynching and all of it had to do again um, with the economic expediency of these folks who wanted to retain power and the power was based right uh, heavily upon how we were entreated. Okay, so you got to do the history going back further when you think of the American Revolution and there were a lot of there were a lot there were a lot of variables right that informed even that development and that dynamic, the American Revolution. Okay, there, but fundamental to that development 
the American Revolution, that is, was economics. And the economics of the day, the currency of the day, um, <clears throat> was enslavement. The enslaved bodies who were the economic engines, all right, of, of the crown across the pond and here in the colonies, slavery. We understood that the American Revolution is a revolutionaries, and we'll talk about what a hero is uh, in terms of your um, um, perspectival um, positioning. We'll get to that. But they were able to anticipate that what was going on across the pond in terms of the abolitionist movement, like, hey, <laughs> we're about to get rid of slavery. And it's like, well, hold on, pump your brakes. You know what I mean? Um, we need these slaves to kind of furnish for us what it is we're trying to establish here in America. And so uh, while there was this ethic of, the, you know, uh, uh, no taxation without representation, and you know what I'm saying, and all of these um, slogans and all of these um, uh, uh, modalities that informed or that uh, eventually came to a head in the American Revolution. Make no mistake about it that um, enslavement was was key to that development. America wanted to keep her slaves, point blank period, wanted to maintain the institution of slavery because there is no more um, benefic economic benefit than free labor. You can't beat it. We done stole this land. We done, we done, we done stole this labor. We're exploiting uh, these people to the nth degree so that we can build wealth for ourselves. And now you across the pond are, are, get, are interfering in our economic affairs because you, quote unquote, have uh, uh, been pricked in your conscience. So even the American revolutionaries that we that we revere here or that we're taught to revere here. They all were of the same ilk uh, that they later say they wanted to um, disavow via the Civil War. And then what we're seeing now is what we've seen then. The greatest indicator of future behavior is past behavior, folks. That's why history is so important. That's why history is always relevant. That's why you're never going to get away from it. What we're seeing with Joe Biden and Kamala and Trump and, you know, his constituents is just a replay, really, of this system trying to work out of itself what it really is, Right? So that's all that we're seeing here. And we so happen to be pivotal and integral to that entire to-do. Black people. It's always been us. It's always been about us. You know what I mean? So they go and they fight this civil war. And it's like, okay, we want, or rather the American Revolution. Okay, we want to keep our slaves. They win. They keep the slaves. All those beautiful things written, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights, blah, blah, blah. And in the talk, the brutalization of black life, the enslavement of black potential, the mental facility distorted, 
demonized, denigrated, our possibilities absconded, our potentialities destroyed, our families distorted, our cultural mores vitiated, our language stripped from us, our culture taken from us, our lives taken from us. And while all of this demonic happening is going on in our ranks, they're writing these lofty speeches that speak that 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 we speak of freedom, that that we speak of uh, decency and morality and 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 justice, and the whole time it's a chimera. The whole time it's a schizophrenic, hypocritical articulation because what made America great was the institution of slavery and they've never gotten beyond that blemish and no amount of rhetoric I don't care how articulate or how gifted the rhetorician is you're not going to speak your way out of the stench of what you really are. And that's a murderous, avarice, demonic entity and a blight in our world, America. Frederick Douglass, during his time, he critiqued and he registered uh, his disavowal of the American institution, his discontent, you know, his dissent <sighs> about the hypocrisy of the American enterprise. And it goes on and on. We work our way beyond those times, okay? Back up to the, civ the Civil War. Back up to Reconstruction. And even now into these very moments, what's at play here? What is at play is the power dynamics that exist between our targeted population and the current iteration of the dominant society. It's an ongoing dynamic engagement that has never ceased spoke to another friend of mine might have been the same guy and he's speaking to me about oh the progress that's going to be made under joe and kamala and uh, the civil rights movement you know he had to bring that in and you know about these uh, uh the john lewis's and, and 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 people of that ilk who are supposed to be representative of black progress and the acquisition of black power and all i could do was chuckle and laugh as he even went on further to say uh, that that a, a, a sterling example of black power is the fact that uh, you could smack a white boy and you could sleep with white women. And I said, wow, uh, you really uh, beautifully summarized <laughs> um, just 
how uh, bereft of insight uh, your examples of power really are. And I don't even know that he understood that he uh, basically adequately firmed my perspective over and against his which his is we we're making progress and we continue to make progress and i'm saying to him no we made lateral movements and we continue to be co-opted and uh commandeered and deluded about what's really going on with respect to our relationship with power we don't have power We've had privileges, right? That would be like the John Lewis's and the people of his ilk, right? Uh, even Barack Obama. We've had privileges. Uh, we've had permissions, right? We've had air quotes progress, but a progress defined by who our enemies. But we have never, ever had power. It has not happened here um, since we've been in the American enterprise, right? As chattel as property, as relegated to beasts and uh, objectified as as one would objectify a chair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, we've not had power. We've had people pacify and placate us with useless symbols, right? That is part and parcel of the political and economic enterprise to maintain the power differentials on the basis of the least uh, energetic investment to that end. Yeah, okay. I'm going to hire you to become, as the late great Dr. Amos Wilson articulated, self-oppressing. And you can aid and abet in your own uh, uh, manipulation. Sure. And then we, if you want to call that freedom, if you want to call that power, fine. I'll get right along. I'll get in bed right along with you to promulgate that propagandistic message. Yes, because then that that lulls you to sleep. That tells you that there's nothing wrong. That tells you that there is nothing left to fight for because anything that you would have, have has already been acquired. And it's iterative of, hey, look at this black face at this seat. Look at this black face in this space. Look at this black face. And it goes on and on and on. So that now, effectively, again, to borrow from the late great Dr. Amos Wilson, effectively, we put a black face on white power. That's the game. That's the optics of deception. The, the, the political chimera, the, the, the political um, mirage that we've somehow overcome, we somehow arrived, we've somehow situated ourselves as it were to be on par with members of the dominant society. We have not. We have not overcome. We have been overcome. OK, we have been overwhelmed. And it has been an ongoing onslaught and attack on our collective psyche, on our economic uh, development. Right. It has been unabated, unabashed, psychic and physical violence. Let's talk about violence for a second. Violence is the bedrock upon which 
the entire American enterprise is founded upon. As a matter of fact, while, while uh, Joe was sitting there talking about us not being uh, a government of the people, but uh, of law, so to speak, you know, and I probably misquoted him there, but, you know, forgive the paraphrase, being that it's the letter of the law that is governing um, the daily goings on of our lives. And that letter of the law has to be upheld by an enforcement agency that will use brute and brutal violence to ensure that the sacred law, right, or the sacred to do of the Senate and etc., as as Joe Biden put it, would go uninterrupted. And anybody that would violate that, they know that there is a threat of violence. You cannot get around violence. And I think it's very hypocritical of Joe to sit there and talk about, oh, we're not this. This is not who we are. We're not a violent whatever. You're a liar. You cannot maintain power without a violent element, ladies and gentlemen. It just doesn't happen. There is People are not going to fall into line with your dictates as it pertains to law based on some, some sort of honor code. There has to be a punitive apparatus. There has to be an appendage that will visit punishment upon those who would violate your alleged laws. So there's no way any of us are getting around violence. That whole nonviolent and peaceable motif is a lie. Violence is part and parcel of power, of politics, of policy, of human being. When you're talking about when you're talking about power and you're talking about economics, you have to have the capacity to protect your economic, uh, your your industries. What do you think the army is? What do you think going over overseas is into these other um, uh, spaces, uh, into these other nations? It's not for the good of them. And see, that's that's a, that again. When you have power and you acquire power through violent means, because let's just be honest, that's what happens after you've enacted a violent overthrow. Now you can set up your laws, right? Because you've overpowered people with force, okay? With a, a disruption of, of their equilibrium because you want to establish a new normal, okay? Well, first you shake things up, you tear things down. You 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 frustrate and disorganize and you create chaos and then you create your version of morality and normalcy based upon your goals to dominate. This is what they've done. 
not just here in America, but the world over. That's why you have uh, these enforcement agencies. You know what I'm saying? This militaristic institution that uh, the American government dumps trillions of dollars into because it understands that it's in its best interest to strengthen to strengthen its defensive arm if it wants to remain economically dominant. They're not bringing, quote unquote, democracy to these other nations out of the goodness of their heart as if democracy was something intrinsically um, superior in terms of morals. It's a vehicle to penetrate these international markets. It's money. All right, it's steamrolling people so that now your businessmen can come in, set up shop, and now you have another cash cow coming in and feeding your your native coffers and reserves. That's all it is. That's all it's ever been. It's always been about economics, my people. And at this very moment, it's about the caliber of economics and who will be at the helm of domination and the economic enterprise and prerogative of this nation. And we've always been at the center of that conversation. No matter how they try to diminish us with all of these uh, intersectional uh, interests, um, you know, uh, uh, pick one, immigration, um, um, LGBTQ, uh, Pick one, pick one. You know what I'm saying? Um, All of these smoke screens that want to get around talking about what needs to be done or what we need to do for ourselves as a group. And I want you to hear me, black people. Uh, Freedom can't be given. You see it by history. You do it. You do the math. Freedom can only be taken. What are you willing to take? What are you prepared to develop so that you can provide for yourself what is necessary for your very biological survival and the promotion of the lives of your kind, of our children? This is what I'm talking about, folks. This is a matter of life and death. I don't understand how people uh, become so engulfed in these romanticized ideals about there being some kind of messianic hero who's going to come from the dominant society and who's going to who's going to be morally pure and who's going to be a friend to us. Be a friend to yourself. The late John Henry Clark. Start looking for these external heroes. It has not served you historically. It, it, it never will serve you to look for uh, agencies outside of yourself uh, to do for, for you what only you should do for you and, and what moral rectitude will call for in terms of self-determination, my people. This is what, we, what we're talking about all the time. This is why I'm on the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm like sounding the, uh, the alarm, beating the drum on this side. It's like, hey, yo, it's time to do for self. It's really time to become independent. We need to stop looking outside of ourselves for the hero and the solution. 
Okay, that's why when I get on, I, I typically say, hey, let's go ahead and, and fully embody and incarnate what the inexhaustible energetic ingenuity that's part and parcel to the melanated mind and overall black experience, because I want us to understand that we are viable options that we could capitalize upon that will establish our very liberation and assert that we will be able to push our biology or by our very biological survival into the future via our progeny. What will we tell our sons? I say that all the time. You know what I mean? I, all of this is about how we're going to proceed forward hmm? into the future and what's going to be the caliber and the quality of the life that we project. <sighs> that can't be determined by our oppressors. We can't trust that the dictates that uh, um, that pertain to the quality of life that we will live beyond us. We can't leave that in the hands of these people, in the hands that strangled us, in the hands that mangled us, in the hands that donned the whip, in the hands that poisoned us through their medical institutions and experimented on us as guinea pigs. Huh? Talking about COVID now, talking about this vaccine, all of these things, you know, the, the medical apartheid, that's a good book to read, medical apartheid, you know what I mean? Like all of these, all of their institutions, my people, have been against us in every way that they can be, in every way that is possible. So I don't understand why it is. Uh, we love or are seeking to be loved by these people. Okay. And, and that again is a part of their uh, pseudo moralism and then their propagandistic um, messaging. Okay. That's supposed to engineer in us the, the mechanism to respond in the ways that we've been hypnotized by all of this propaganda, by all of this media nonsense about us having friends and about there being liberal white people. You got to get rid of it. You got to get rid of it because if you don't, it's going to get rid of you. Inevitably. Inevitably. Because what's going to happen when you become, and it's already been happening, when you become economically obsolete to the power structure, you will be decimated. You will be destroyed. I'm talking about Joe Biden right now, Kamala Harris. I'm talking about Trump and his ilk. Listen, this ain't nothing new. And Trump, contrary to popular belief and opinion, does not fully embody what is wrong with America. Okay? He's just an iteration of what is wrong, a manifestation of what is wrong. He's not the, the demon. Okay? This entire institution, the American enterprise, is what's wrong. Joe Biden is part and parcel of what's wrong. Kamala Harris is part and parcel of what, what's wrong. They are just different iterations along the spectrum of an entire demonic enterprise, folks. Don't be played. Don't be swayed by the rhetoric of these liberals, of these Democrats. I told you, by history, uh, the Democrats were, uh, uh, in terms of the Civil War, the, the politics of it, the Democrats were Dixiecrats. The Republicans, quote unquote, freed the slaves. You know what I'm saying? Abraham Lincoln, right? But then it was also the Republicans 
um, or the federal government, right? Right? Well, we hear Joe t uh, referring to the historical antecedent of why the federal uh, justice system was founded. It was founded to, again, to institute what was law in terms of the emancipation of, of the slaves, right? How that same federal government, through the annals of time, turned a blind eye, withdrew those troops, forsook the, free the Freedom Freedmen's Bureau, right? Uh, so that we could have an economic footing to compete. And said, nah, we were drawing all of that because racism across the board has economic dividends that we could not otherwise benefit from if we allow these groups of people to compete without interference. We got to control these people. We got to continue to exploit these people. We got to continue to co-opt these people. And then so there we are again, left vulnerable, to being lynched, to having our churches bombed, to being maimed, to being mangled, right? Unabashed violence. You've seen what it was all the way through the civil rights movement. It's on TV. People getting the hoes and, and dogs. And we sitting there singing and locking arms and nonsense like that because we have been seduced by these fairy tale ideals of a happily ever after of a one day, someday being fully assimilated. Into the beast. I don't want to be the beast. And I, I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like, we don't want to be you. You've been disgusting. You have been a plague. You know what I'm saying? So our independence and our self-reliance and our self-definition is about being anything but you. We don't want to dominate you either. Right. We don't want to dominate you either. We want to be able to determine for ourselves what is good and what is appropriate and what is expedient and to get from up under the stranglehold of white oppression, of racism, of systemic inequity and everything that is part and parcel to hegemony. And oligarchic forces, white supremacy, get up off of us. You know what I mean? And we want the right to be able, we have the right. We have the intrinsic value and the right. We were born with it to defend our personal interests, point blank and period. This is what we're talking about, folks. We're not talking about anything foreign here. This has always been the conversation. And Malcolm said, you know, freedom isn't given. You know, what's the price of freedom? You know, death is what Malcolm said. This is a, what are you willing to die for, folks? You know what I mean? What are you willing to put or to pay the, the, the ultimate sacrifice for, to put it all on the line? I'm not willing to do it to be friends with my enemies, civil rights movement. I'm not willing to give my life so that... <laughs> You know, little white boys and little white uh, black boys and, and, and girls and et cetera. You know, the dream that the king created that, that they appeal to so often when when we protest. Right. Rightfully protest while we're being murdered in the streets, men, women and children like dogs with impunity. Right. By their enforcement arm, which is a racist institution. This thing that we saw with the with the blue lives and the, the blue line and, and the Trump supporters, you know, who on one who on one hand 
would articulate, oh, no, blue lives matter. You know what I mean? All lives matter. And respect the blue line. And then they're going ahead and they're attacking the Capitol. Right? Why? Because they're trying to get the rest of the country back on cold, basically. You know what I mean? Like, hey, listen, y'all know uh, part and parcel of our dominance and our economic success is how we entreat these black people. And then when I hear Joe Biden uh, not say, you know, when he made his address concerning the Capitol, I heard him uh, when he did not say that he was going to uh, vigorously and vehemently pursue the fullest extent of the law by way of criminal charges to those people who stormed the cap. He did not say he would do that. And that's that's the point I brought it to my friend. I'm like, hey, yo, I know you're a Biden Kamala supporter. How do you feel about him saying that he's not going to process to the fullest extent of the law uh, these homegrown terrorists who stormed the Capitol? Because understand these homegrown terrorists who stormed the Capitol, these Trump supporters are part and parcel to the entire uh, fabric of the American institution. They're not the polite side of it, but they stay in the same thing. They really they really are of the same ilk, even though uh, Joe Biden wanted to de deny that they are not continuous along that continuum. But they really are. But the thing is, they're loud and they're crude and they're rude about it. Hey. They're, they're, they're donning these Confederate flags. And so I don't want to hear nobody talking about it's not hate, it's history. No, it's, it's, it's a history of hate. And we understand what those symbols mean. These people are about white supremacy and power over and against us. Period. So for, for, for Joe and Kamala... To not outright say they were going to pursue to the fullest extent of the law these persons. They're already telling you who they are. Hey, 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 you guys, calm down. You know, they benefit from that fringe element in a political sense. It's strategy. I remember I was reading uh, where uh, uh, Malcolm was recorded as having said uh, he, he had come somewhere where uh, uh, Martin was, you know, uh, pretty much. Uh, pretty well received. It was Martin Luther King territory. Malcolm comes there and, 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 and it's recorded as Malcolm has having said to Coretta Scott, I'm only here uh, to represent, you know, uh, the alternative that in the minds of the white people of that day was, oh, oh, these black people want to get back. They want revenge and et cetera like that. So he was hoping that him being there in that space in that time would instigate in in the white institutions an ear to Martin's message so that black people could benefit overall. Hear what I'm saying, peep the game. In the same fashion, this quote-unquote fringe element has to exist, right? And we can't really squash it out because... Black people need to know that that's always lurking in the background if they don't willingly submit themselves to our dictates, to our right, to our prerogative to control your life. We're going to do it politely, though. We're going to we're going to talk nice to you and then we're going to give you positions. And then we're, again, we're going to give you jobs. Right. And you get to you get to sit at the table as a meal, right? 
but also as a cook. Right. These are our leaders. These, you know, quote unquote. The John Lewis's and, and, you know, the Barack Obama's and now the Kamala Harris's was supposed to be parading as a black woman. The first blah, blah, blah. All of these emotional appeals. Right. And these symbolic um, uh, agitation, you know what I mean? That's supposed to uh, trigger all of the uh, subliminal messaging that is going on and on and on. It has gone on through the annals of time, through the mass uh, media uh, propagandistic machine of white supremacy. You hear what I'm saying to you guys? Don't believe the hype. This Joe Biden, this Kamala Harris, all they're going to offer you is a, 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 a polite version of oppression. Okay? Okay? They're going to say everything you need to hear. They're going to pimp your very souls. And there are so many of us who have been so hurt and been so uh, demoralized and so damaged. We're looking for the safety of a polite pimp. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to prostitute everything about us in our community, but at least he's going to talk nice. And every now and then he's going to rub our hands and tell us how, how good of, uh, you know, how good uh, of, uh, <laughs> I don't want to get too vulgar, but you know what I'm saying? You have your top and your bottoms. And yeah, I, I know those of you who listen and knows the culture of that, you know what I mean? In terms of prostitution and, you know, the whole pimp game. You know, and, and Joe is just, you know, slick talking pimp. You know, I'm going to talk to you nice, but I want you to get out there and, and, and uh, objectify yourself and, and do what's necessary so that we can maintain the status quo. That is, you know your place. I know my place. Everything's nice. Here's a kiss on the forehead, a smack on the behind. You know what I mean? Get out there and get that money for me. All right, boo boo. Love you. You feel what I'm saying? Man, I got to quit. I got to get off this thing. Um, I'll probably be talking again as things unfold uh, in this vein with respect to uh, uh, Joe Biden and, and, and Kamala Harris and, you know, Trump and uh, all of these um, dynamics uh, that 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 inform this very important conversation of black liberation, black empowerment, self-reliance, self-development. Uh, and self-determination. Listen, it's not just about uh, parsing out the problem, but it's about shining a light on those people in your community who are doing an incredible work here locally in Hampton Roads, Hampton Roads' regional black chamber of commerce, black brand. If you are industrious, endeavor to be industrious, entrepreneurial, endeavor to be entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, excuse me, you need to link yourself with the network and the nexus of powerful, like-minded individuals who have uh, your overall economic well-being, both in head and in heart. Black Brand, blackbrand.biz, 150-year economic plan in the making exclusively for black people. I'm signing off in love, peace, and confrontation. This has been our 12th episode. I enjoy it. I love to do it. Um, Y'all, you talk to me. You know what I mean? Get back to me. Um, let me know how you feel. Um, listen, black man, I love you. Black woman, I love you. Black babies, I love you. What will we t tell our sons? Understand um, that we are the gods that we seek. If it doesn't serve you, you shouldn't serve it. I encourage you to take um, full advantage of the inexhaustible energetic ingenuity that's part and parcel to the melaninated mind and overall black experience. Understand that we're going to be making mountain moves a single grain, uh, grain at a time.
do something revolutionary, something that's going to make the future proud. Um, and above all else, please, my people, do not be a fraud. Um, until next time, everyone be safe. Signing off in love, peace, and confrontation.